Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is the Simpsons Index, episode 215. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, welcoming you to the fourth Vignettes of Vignettes. And long-time listeners will know that this is the special podcast where we review the vignette episodes of The Simpsons, which are kind of like the Treehouse of Horror in the anthology style, but without the horror. And to match the anthology style, we change the panel lineup for each of the episodes we'll be reviewing today. So first up, I am so excited to say that we will be joined by the absolute legends from the podcast Queens of the Drone Age, and we'll be reviewing Four Great Women and a Manicure. And after that, I'm also very excited to welcome back a Simpsons Index favourite, the wonderful Michael Swaim, and we'll be reviewing Simpsons Tall Tales. Alright, so you're caught up, you know the program, let's get into it. Over to you, Elliot. And welcome to The Simpsons Index Vignettes of Vignettes, where we look at all the anthology episodes of The Simpsons and change the panel each time. And this time, we have Queens of the Drone Age. Hey! <laughs> and introducing Amanda Yo. Hi, that's me. I'm Amanda. And Harad Yo. <laughs> I'm the other Yo that's not Amanda. The, the Rad Yo. There's more than two. This one. <laughs> Ray Johnston. That's me. Hi, everyone. And Tegan Jones. Hello, hello. Thank you all for joining us for the podcast today. You're all hyped to talk some Simpsons. Oh, thanks for having yes. us. Yeah. We're so excited, genuinely. Yeah. This is going to be great. Or terrible. Who can tell? <laughs> it's going to be chaotic. Oh, certainly. No, and for my viewer, um, listeners, viewers of podcasts, what am I saying? Yeah, Queens of the Drone Age is absolutely one of my favourite podcasts, especially oh, to come what? out in recent times. Bless. You didn't even tell us that beforehand to get us on the show. So, uh, <laughs> well done. We were Could just like bargaining Simpsons. Chip. Yes, we're on. Thank you. <laughs> I don't just pick any random podcast to be a panellist on the exclusive Simpsons Index. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you guys have an amazing show. Uh, who wants to say what you you all do on your podcast? I feel like that's a Ray job. Yeah, it's a mum question. <laughs> yeah, mum, take care of it. Defer to the mum of the group. That would be me. Uh, yeah, Queens of the Drone Age. Uh, other look, the name may imply that we just talk about drones. We do not. Lots I'd of PR just like to make that. that clear. We get a lot of emails specifically about drones. No, we are. A, no, we also talk about queens. We do talk about. <laughs> look. <laughs> We do not. We talk about technology. All four of us are technology journalists. We've been working in this space for quite some time. And we were having conversations among ourselves just as friends that we thought that other people might want to listen in on. We thought that we could create a show that was accessible for anyone who had an interest in tech or anyone who just kind of wanted to know what impact tech is having on our lives. So we put out two episodes a week. We have a gadget episode out every Monday where we talk about all the gear that we've been getting into and what we think of it, give our recommendations of what you should spend your money on. And then on Thursday, we do deep dive episodes that look more at tech issues. But sometimes we just pull together gift guides, which are really just giant wish lists. That's the show. (laughs) Uh, And it's a lot of fun that you all have. Yeah, absolutely. Love listening to you. And yeah, listen to the episodes the second that they drop. Oh, 
Sorry oh. that they're sometimes late. <laughs> He's up actually at 4am when uh, when we drop them. No. <laughs> and I stay up to make sure that I <laughs> don't catch them a second too late. But no, really stoked to have you all on the Simpsons Index. And, um, you know, we like to ask our first time guests, what is your history with the show? So, yeah, uh, Amanda, Rad, I'm sure you guys have uh, very similar histories with the show. Yeah, we actually weren't allowed to watch it growing <gasps> up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was contraband. It was like mum would just be like, oh, Simpsons, you know, they, they make all these crude jokes. You're not allowed to watch it. So anytime it came on, we'd have to turn it off. So I had it like burned in my brain that when those little clouds <laughs> pop up and it goes, the Simpsons, you have to like run and turn the TV off. <laughs> <laughs> also had to run and turn the TV off because for some reason we weren't allowed to use the remote when we were kids. What? I don't know why. That's a weird rule. Yeah, it is. Remotes are the devil. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't know whether it was just like it seemed wasteful because you have to use batteries, but that like. Oh no! I think it it was an electricity thing. I think it was like it's batteries. Oh, we don't want to put the TV just in standby. We want to like properly turn it off. Oh, otherwise you're wasting electricity. No, that's not true at all. But it also it, it also extended to like changing the channel. We had to get up out of the chair, go to the TV, press the buttons on it. It's run the by yeah. batteries. You were the remote. Don't waste batteries. <laughs> oh Tegan, don't waste batteries. God. Yeah, that's the question. Did your your parents ever get up and change the channel themselves or did they just make yeah. you two do it? <laughs> we just didn't have a remote. Oh, that'd wow. be a good racket yeah. actually. That would have been good yeah. if it was just the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not wasting batteries, but you know, you got endless kid power to <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you try and run puppies to make them tired. Yes. Same kind of deal. Yes. <laughs> uh, so at what age was The Simpsons eventually allowed into your lives? Oh, they're still not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> it was never Watching like this an- episode was very illegal. <laughs> <laughs> it was never like an official, okay, now you're old enough to watch The Simpsons. It was just kind of gradually like no longer a thing that wasn't allowed. Mm. Yeah. I-, I feel like at some point I did like ask if I could watch it because yeah. my friends talked about it a lot. And I think by that time I was like 14. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like pretty old. Yeah. Because your friends would talk about The Simpsons all the time and you just kind of sit there being like, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. I was definitely yeah. in high school once we yeah. were allowed to watch it. Yeah, high school was when it was a bit more okay. Gosh. Oh, wow. And uh, how was that like as well? Did you like end up binging on it when, you know, the floodgates <laughs> yeah. were open or? I would watch it every single night. I was like six o'clock because <laughs> we weren't allowed to watch it before. So, you know, it's exciting. And then I probably think I stopped watching it. Oh, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen like many of the new seasons. Um, So watching this one also was quite interesting for me being a newer season. Yeah. Uh, newer season while still also being 13 years old at this point. <laughs> is it no. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. that old. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's very yeah, I old. looked it up and it was upsetting. <laughs> I feel sick. I probably, I probably like stopped watching it quite as much in uni, just got busier and stuff as well and didn't do that kind of appointment viewing. I never like sat down and was like, oh, this was banned. Now I can watch it. I'm going to watch all of it. I was just like, yeah, okay, it's around now. It's an option. But I didn't actually sit down and watch it unless it was just on TV in the house, someone else has it on, that sort of thing. Yeah. Amanda loves rules, abiding by them (laughs) even when they're no longer in force. Still does not have a remote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she has it. It just mocks her. (laughs) 
how about you, Ray? What was your history with the show? Where did it oh, begin? I had such a drastically different upbringing to the O's, I'm realising, <laughs> listening to them. <laughs> Look, I, I was one of those kids that was watching, like, really deeply terrible horror movies when I was a small child. So there really <laughs> wasn't any viewing that was banned in our home. It was just an absolute free-for-all. Whatever you wanted to watch, you could watch. That being said, my mum didn't like The Simpsons. She just oh. didn't like it. My dad, on the other hand, loved it. Mm. So, yeah, you would hear that music starting and mum would wander, you know, into another part of the house or into the kitchen or something to make some food and dad and I had sit down and have a bit of a giggle at what ridiculous things the Simpsons were getting up to that night. I think it was good. It was a good alternative to watching the nightly news, yeah. which I, ironically I now host. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, on the flip side, uh, where did the show end with you? Oh gosh. I think for me, it probably ended when I started watching more streaming services than just regular free-to-air television. Mm. When I was watching free-to-air all the time, it'd just be on and it'd start and I'd sit down and have some dinner. But you know, once my beloved Netflix came into my life, look, I haven't even plugged the antenna into the back of my television in the last couple of places I've lived in. I just don't watch free-to-air anymore. And that's kind of when I stopped watching The Simpsons as well, I'd say. Yeah, well, I think especially for Australians where we didn't have the streaming option for The Simpsons until a couple of years ago as yeah. well. Like, yeah, that was a bit of a blind spot there. Um, how about you, Tegan? Where did the show begin? I cannot remember a time that I was not obsessed with The Simpsons, especially Aww. as a kid. Like, I would watch it religiously like at 6 o'clock when it would come on and then when it came into the Fox 8 years, I was uh, just not only watching them every Saturday morning but I would tape them all and especially that kind of first 10 to 12 seasons, I would just watch the same ones over yeah. and over and over again to the point where I did go on holiday once with a friend's family and made my own little bastard travelling kit. <laughs> 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 like from Itchy and Scratchy Land episode. That is the oh, most Tegan thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I loved it. And I even a couple of years ago for a uh, an office Christmas party, it was uh, Miami themed. So I went as Florida. <gasps> yes. Like I made the Florida costume. This is like two years ago. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So I don't know if it really ever ended for me other than I kind of stopped watching past a certain point. So I think maybe that season 12, I've seen very few episodes post that or maybe even season 15 but those earlier seasons I watched over and over and over for like decades yeah it also just occurred to me that I I may be the only person here old enough to remember when the Simpsons started like I, I remember the conversations in the lead up to the Simpsons dropping the very first episodes Is that right I remember there being conversations at school with the other school kids about whether or not they were going to be allowed to watch it was such <laughs> a controversial show and then <laughs> South Park came along and whew. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah we weren't allowed to watch South Park either I am oh, thoroughly not. unsurprised <laughs> to hear that <laughs> that would be some, yeah, very mixed messaging going on there. But yeah, both my parents love Simpsons, but yeah, South Park was definitely the mum walks out of the room show. <laughs> it was the opposite in my house. Mum walked in the room, dad walked out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I think that's sort of mostly everyone's story with the show is that, yeah, dips out around the, you know, mid-teens era sort of thing. So is that sort of the same with you all? Like, have you seen sort of much of the new ones since they went, you know, HD and widescreen and all that? No. no, not at all. You know, this might sound very weirdly specific, but I found the line weight 
of the animation oh in this God. episode really strange to me. Here it's not go. what I remember. Here oh, we go. The line wait. 215 episodes of my podcast and only now we're talking about the line wait. Thank you. <laughs> right? It was strange. It's not the line wait I remember and it didn't feel consistent with the perspective. Rad, what's line wait? Just like how thick the line is oh, in the outline of literal the... Literal line weight. Of, okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literal line weight. Is this with a double C thick or <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of thick? No, no, Tegan, it was double N thin. Oh, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Dummy thin. And how did it make you feel? <laughs> a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit uneasy. I prefer a slightly thicker line weight. I think it adds a kind of cohesiveness to the image. I also don't like how they've started to do the ones where it like almost stipples a tiny bit. Stipples? Um, and the, yeah, like it um, turns into dots at times. It's not like a full, complete line. Oh, oh, it's I like, like when that. a video game has like bad anti-aliasing or something yeah. like that. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't feel good. No, The Simpsons in the you know digital non-hand-drawn era really does uh, make a lot of people uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, so, like on that, did it sort of look and feel like The Simpsons this season twenty episode that I brought to you all today? It looked like The Simpsons evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> It's making a pigeon rat up in the attic. <laughs> the real Simpsons is hiding under the bed while you're tucking the Simpsons into bed. Ooh. Oh, my God. Yeah, may as well get into the episode review. Yeah, we just watched season 20, episode 20, Four Great Women and a Manicure. First released in May of 2009, directed by Raymond S. Percy and written by Valentina L. Garza. Yeah, in this episode, it's four stories that's, I guess central theme is female um, protagonists or centre characters. What did we think? It was bad. (laughs) It was weird having four. I'm used to having like three stories in these anthologies. Mm. So I found four to be a lot and very rushed. Yeah. There wasn't really a common thread among the women other than they were women. No. It, it just kind of yeah. felt like quick, we've got to come up with four women. Uh, we've got three from history and Snow White. They it's weren't even the- all women, though. Yeah, yeah. you're right. The you're last right. one, like the, the Fountainhead, which I looked up later because I've never read it, but the character in the original book was male. Yes. yes. It just switched it to be female for this female-themed episode of The Simpsons, which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's like The Simpsons version of that, name a woman for a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) The Billy Eichner thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how you chose us for the episode, Elliot? It's like, oh, we need four women. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, there aren't many podcasts out there with four women. So, you know. (laughs) It's illegal, yeah. And four great women as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There's plenty out there with like three good women and one just, yeah. Guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, just like... Unimpressive. All right. Well, let's get into each of the stories. So, yeah, starting out, a retelling of the story of Queen Elizabeth I and Walter Raleigh. Yeah, uh, overall impressions of this story. Tegan is a historian. I'm going to refer to her for the historical accuracy of this story. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad someone was. (laughs) Um, Look, I'm going to spoil it and say that that this is not entirely historically accurate. Oh, Um, no way. Sorry about that. Um, Look... It was fine. Like, I, I just, 
I thought this was maybe one of the weaker of all of the four stories. Um, although I did enjoy that they did do the call out about the Protestants basically existing because uh, Henry yeah. VIII wanted to divorce his wife. I thought that was very funny. Um, but otherwise, I think a lot of the jokes fell flat, like doing the whole thing of um, Hank Azaria's, uh, oh, I'm doing like a gay dude's voice. Like that's such a kind yeah. of played out thing uh, in The Simpsons, even much earlier seasons for me. So I thought that fell flat i think that lenny's little spanish armada was funny um <laughs> yeah. that was quite good but otherwise i think this was a pretty weak segment mm. as someone that doesn't know the real story behind this i cannot say that the simpsons rendition illuminated anything for me whatsoever <laughs> there was the queen and then the fancy man wished to marry her but then he married her sister well, I did like a brief sort of skim of the history of this, and apparently um, there was some truth to this. There, there was a another person called Elizabeth in Elizabeth's um, work team, I guess. I don't know. That, um, <laughs> Probably a lady in waiting. A colleague, I yeah, would imagine. A colleague, that one. Colleague of the Queen. <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Uh, yeah, damn and it. that's who Walter Raleigh ended up going with, but, you know, it wasn't this thing that was accepted. It was... Yeah, a point of controversy. But there was some truth to the fact that, yeah, the dude popularised tobacco in England, so there's that, and I guess points for cleverly tying it in with Selma's smoking habit, I guess. Yeah, I completely forgot that detail. (laughs) (laughs) I just remembered his fancy shirt. Yeah. It felt like they just grabbed random, like, factoids from that era and just kind of mushed them into one little segment. Like, it didn't feel like it actually told any sort of story. No. no. I don't think it was long enough to be able to tell any sort of story. Like, that, that wasn't really a way to flesh it out in the time that they gave it, I think. I think the, the weight of the four different stories in this episode was, was very different. You know, yeah, a couple I felt like I was watching only for a few minutes and then the rest felt like they lasted the entire episode. So, yeah. Overall, I found that story a little bit boring, but I'm not a fan of coloniser stories, so that's just me <laughs> being controversial. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Not a controversial take on this show. What do you mean you don't love colonizers? Yeah, no. That's weird, Ray. Not, That's strange. Not a fan. Give me my land back. Thank you. <laughs> One of the only jokes I liked was the Miffin accomplished joke. Um, yeah. That's just because I like old typeface jokes, but yeah. that's about it. Did anyone else have anything they'd want to mention from this bit before we move on to the next one? Like I said, it's happened so quickly, there's not a lot to go over here. Yeah, there was nothing really much to it. No. It was like a string of weak almost jokes, because I don't really really want to call anything that was in that a joke, because they weren't funny. I I thought it was funny when he pretended the ships were real. Yeah, yeah, the the armada, that was funny. I think Lenny is a joy. But I think you could put Lenny in anything and he would lift the mood immediately. So I'm a fan of Lenny specifically in this segment <laughs> and, and not the rest of it at all. Ray liked the colonizer story confirmed. <laughs> Don't tell Twitter. <laughs> um, and speaking of Lenny uh, slightly improving a story, they uh, yeah do a retelling of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs featuring Lisa's own original creations, Crabby, Drunky, Hungry, Greedy, Lenny, Kearney, and Doc. Tor Hibbert. What do we think of this segment? I thought this was the strongest one. I thought this was quite funny. Um, And I think that 
the whole Disney Corporation joke that they made with like, let's not get sued and <gasps> so changing good. the song to Ho Hi. I think it was funnier now watching it on <laughs> Disney Plus. Like, and especially considering that Disney has gotten way more intense about its IP in the decade or so since this episode originally aired. Much yeah. funnier. I think yeah. it's it's almost an example of, you know, every time The Simpsons predicts the future. It's just yeah. The Simpsons reinforcing how Disney has been and always will be, which is litigious. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, yeah, they nailed that. Yeah, and an interesting detail that their Disney lawyer, the famous Simpsons bluehead lawyer, just had horrible monster claws in this one. Is <laughs> I know! He needed to get his nails done at the at the salon, which was had terrible customer service, mind you. You know, mm. every time we flash back to the salon, you know, they're, they're not really very being very well looked after there at all. I wouldn't return. They'd get a bad review. Mm. Two things about that salon. Number one, weirdly slightly racist. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Another one of those from The Simpsons. Number two, very uncomfortable seeing them with fingernails. Yeah, I didn't no. like that. Mm, I agree. Yeah. It doesn't like, suit them. It's these things no. with animation that you sort of never notice what they take away to make like a caricature. And like, it's like when your uh, character has eyebrows in The Simpsons. Ooh, oh, Because yeah. no Simpsons characters really ever have eyebrows. Except, Except Millhouse. Millhouse? Yeah. Yeah, the, with the gif. With the gif. <laughs> we you all know just thought what? of Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would have made the nails better, though? Thicker line weight. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Certainly, certainly. She's not mm. wrong. It looked like <laughs> they looked like putting pressed nails on sausages. Oh, That's what it yes. Like. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a horrifying image. I want to do that uh, now. Image. Please don't do that. Please, Please don't do that. do that. Good Lord. And the mention of shrooms was interesting. That I don't, was hilarious. I don't recall The Simpsons being so chill about drug use and watching it back as an adult and seeing that in particular, I'm like, wait, hang on a minute. Is this why all the parents didn't want anyone to watch this back in the day? I feel were like they talking the jokes about shrooms at the beginning? I don't know. I think it was more subtle with the jokes earlier on. Like there was yeah. always something for the adults, but I don't think they straight up said, it's now time to get high. Uh, that was a note that I wrote down, <laughs> followed by song LMAO Shrooms. That was my note for that. <laughs> well, no, especially in the recent seasons, you know, over in America, so many states have legalized pot now, and especially California, where they make the show. And, like, they do drop direct references to marijuana these days. And it's like, it's so weird, like, just yeah. reframing the show in that way, like, just watching Chief Wiggum pulling bongs. Like, it's what? so weird. <laughs> What have I been missing all this time? (laughs) (laughs) I am not lying. That is a thing that happened. See, that that also feels quite strange because The Simpsons is such a global brand and they know that. They know that it's watched all around the world. So even though, yes, it has always been very American and it's not pretended to not be, it feels so strange to me for them to almost not take into consideration that global audience. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. So I think, yeah, we can all generally agree that, yeah, this is among the strongest of the segments. Um, yeah. I didn't think much of the ending, though. Like It was rushed. Yeah. yeah and I, I think I did, it happened. did kind of, like, fit into, like, Lisa's general feminist agenda, like, pushing. Like, mm. they kind of were Like, I did like the line about how uh, what brought back to life by a lady doctor. That was pretty funny. Um, yes. But it was rushed. Yeah. That means a gynecologist. Yeah. Oh, stop it. Do you know why most gynecologists, if they're men, have bow ties? No. A lot of them wear bow ties. Because if they're needing to lean down, you don't want a normal tie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got doctor mates who revealed that one for me. You're welcome, listeners. They could just not wear a tie. Sure. That would be unprofessional. And definitely no (laughs) clip-ons. Oh, no. (laughs) 
Um, and yeah, jokes that I enjoyed out of this one. I liked the Goldilocks sort of reference as well. This first bed's too mm. hard, second bed's too soft, and this third one is just... Like the first one. (laughs) That was a nice surprise, I think. It led us down a certain path and then switched it up, which was welcomed. And also pushing all of Drunkie's bottles out of the bed was funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone else have any parts from this that they uh, generally liked? I liked the turtle. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, that was horrible. That made me really sad. (laughs) Lisa is not a vegetarian in this story. Wait, Lisa's telling this story. Why did she tell that? (laughs) Why did she, yeah, why did she have a turtle jumping in to make turtle soup? It was Lisa's an unreliable narrator. (laughs) (laughs) That made me sad. I can't believe you liked that joke, Amanda. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was kind of unexpected because, you know, Lisa's the one telling the story. Mm. And so she's Mm. not really going to paint herself as the villain. And so I didn't, you know, it's not something that you thought would happen. Yeah. Mm. And also it kind of tied into one of the reasons I would be a terrible Disney princess. Oh. Because if you can sing and all the animals just come to you, that's like, <laughs> you know, easy food. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> you could be a very successful butcher. Wow. Wow. So you would just lure the animals to their death to their fiery smoky soupy death we live in a capitalist society okay <laughs> pied piper areas here coming from amanda but think about it it's actually really ethical consumption of meat because yeah, you're is. not farming them yep. it's all just wild caught exactly and they live a full and happy life and they'll never see it coming you're exactly yeah. right but in this yeah. context it just feels so mean <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were just gonna ask like one of the birds to just change the channel for you or something like, yeah and then she eats the bird <laughs> yeah change the channel please and jump into this oven thank you very much oh my god and pluck uh, yourself first oh no <laughs> uh anyway anything else from this uh, segment mm, absolutely not now Um, I got really over the Willy I cannot do it routine Um, That one drained out too long That was one joke too far It Mm. would have been good if it stopped And then he just you know made a heart out of construction paper That that would have been fun I wanted to see the end result Of the paper mache heart That Willy made instead of killing Killing Snow White or killing the pig That would have been fun yeah, yeah, it's just the choice to do such a dragged out joke in an episode which, yeah, just feels so rushed overall. Like, yeah, the choice to take story time away for this was, yeah, yeah. bad. <laughs> and, it, and, it's, and it's not like as though the writers had to start from scratch with the story either. They had the mm. framework there ready to go. So, you know, you had the time to work with it, guys. Do better. <laughs> and is that all from the Snow White story? I think we covered it. Sure. I liked when she bit the apple. When she smacked her in the back of the head to force the bite? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) There we go. All right. And now on to the story, which was uh, the retelling of Macbeth with a sort of Macbeth sort of over angle. What do we think of this? Any fans of the Bard? Oh, my gosh. This brought back terrible, terrible memories of working in theatre. Mm. where you're not allowed to say the name Uh, of the Scottish play because everyone is deeply superstitious and everything (laughs) will go wrong and people will die if you say the name of it, like, apparently. So you have to spend your entire, like, months-long rehearsal period not saying the name of the play. Except in the context of the lines. Except in the context of the lines, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, brought back uh, the time that I performed in Macbeth playing the dual roles of the gentlewoman, 
and Witch Number Three. I was so, Witch Number Three. Hey, nice. Witch Number hey. Three's unite. Hey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this was oh, very obvious where it was going from the very beginning. I don't think it gave me anything new or interesting, and I kind of tuned out throughout it, to be honest. Also, why does Homer deserve to play Macbeth? He mm. hasn't earned it. <laughs> he hasn't worked up to it. It shouldn't be that way. You miss the point of Macbeth, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's mediocre white men rising to the top with the help of woman. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really strange that Homer had a gun yeah. at the end, yeah. except for the fact that they are American, but also, I don't know, <laughs> Just, just to have it on hand. It was quite quick. Like, yeah. it was a funny end, but like a bit of a shock. I, I do like they subverted it slightly in that it's like they're actually putting on Macbeth rather yeah. than them yeah. being Macbeth. I thought that was cute. Also, I will pay the fact that they had Duffman as Macduff. That was pretty <laughs> yes. funny. Mm. Oh, Macduff's mm-hmm. an actual character in Macbeth? Yeah, that's an actual character. So yeah. That was clever. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that was good. I did, I did laugh out loud at that one. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> yeah. Because it's been a while, like, I don't even actually know if I've seen this play, but, like, so, yeah, once again, looked up a skim synopsis. And what kind of annoys me about this is, like, again, this is Marge telling the story, and she's like, let me tell you a story about a woman who was brought down by, you know, a not-so-great man. And the point of Macbeth is, like, that Macbeth himself, you know, was clouded by his own aspirations, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't get why Marge is telling this story where Homer's actually not super the bad guy here. No. Absolutely well, not. Well, no, you see, if he had just had the ambition and gotten the role himself, then she wouldn't have had to push him, right? So really it's his fault. No, wait, I lost where I was going with this. I had a joke and I failed, so whatever. <laughs> just like the writers of this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't have said Macbeth so much. They were just on the start. They really shouldn't have, clearly, like backstage as well. They were saying it. They hadn't mm. hung out with actors, I'm telling you. Theatre actors will, will go to town on them. I'm surprised oh, there will. wasn't people in angry forums writing about this episode and the inaccuracy of how they spoke about the Scottish play. Absolutely. Mm. I will say that I think that one really good joke in it was the uh, line from Homer saying, why do they write a new review of this play every single day? Yeah. <laughs> that was very good. That, that, was, was, very that was probably that and the Disney one were my two favourite jokes of the episode. I yeah, think. absolutely. <laughs> Imagine that being your job. It's like go to this theatre show every night and write a new review of it every (laughs) single night if there's any slight differences. How on edge would you be as a theatre reviewer? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Well, to be fair, in this version, there were slight differences every night. Oh, Um, yes. Yes. (laughs) This is one where, yeah, once again, you mentioned Duffman as Macduff. I loved the casting in it. Sideshow Mel as the lead. Oh, Perfection. Yeah. Again, we're talking about actor's tone of voice. That is made Beautiful. to read the word of the bard. Yeah, yeah, and it goes really back into what his character has been used for or alluded to in those earlier seasons as well, that he was above, you know, being Krusty's sidekick. So I think that yeah. really are kind of fed into that nicely. No, that's it. He always sort of took the gig as Krusty's sidekick because, yeah, couldn't make the living as the theatre actor, basically. Yeah. yeah. Do we have any other bits from this that we like, didn't like, want to mention? I didn't like when Sideshow Mel turned into a ghost and yelled, sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. yeah. No one liked that. Yeah. No. Everybody hated that. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't much to like there, was it? I liked how Sideshow Mel slept, though. Snore. <laughs> yes. Imagine just announcing everything you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
It's called being a streamer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, this episode just, yeah, again, took a weird turn at the end, was super rushed. But again, I like Dan Castellaneta's reading of the Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow speech. I thought that was, yes. yeah, really well that done. But good. it's yeah. it's not funny. It was just good acting. Though. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could give them points for some good acting in that segment, yeah. considering it was a segment about, about acting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that covers it for this, the Hamlet sure. bit. Uh, Macbeth, sure. goddamn. <laughs> oh, the Scottish play. The Scottish play. Ah, oh, damn, I've cursed this podcast forever. Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh, no. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> um. <laughs> Candyman, 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 Candyman. We'll bloody be right. Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all extra cursed. And, uh, Rad is horrified right now that we've done this to her. I'm so sorry, Rad. <laughs> I'm leaving this group. <laughs> I, I hit a Ouija board in your house. Look how upset she is. <laughs> Does it count if you don't say it in a mirror? I've got the Zoom window and I can see myself, so it's kind of a mirror. Yeah, this would be considered a mirror. That's true. Oh, really? It's a reflection. Yeah, in modern times. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And, and we've already established in other horror films that, you know, people can climb through screens. So true. Mm. it's been done. It's new media, a new media way to tell an old classic horror tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yes. okay, though. We did so many curses that it's like, you know, all those diseases trying to get into Mr. Burns, you know, they've got the three suges syndrome. None can get through. No. Maybe they'll just hang out and make friends with each other. They're just going to yeah. fight each other and never get to us. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason hanging out behind the Zoom screen. Absolutely. I've not seen either of those movies. You should. They're fun. I like Amanda's version where, you know, Freddie and Jason just play nice with each other. And- sure. They've got similar interests. Talk They're about gone. their childhoods. They heal some trauma. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Find common ground. How did we get here? And the final story of this one. Yeah, again, the oh, yeah. Re- retelling of the Fountainhead with Maggie as uh, Howard Rock. What do we think of this? Any Ant Rand fans in the, in the group? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. I think this was so weak. Like, mm. this whole story was a guy kicking over a baby's creation for literally no reason. Yeah. yeah over and so over weird. and over again. Yeah, and it, again, like, similar to um, the Smithers line earlier, it just went way too far with the attempted joke. Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, it was just a long montage. Yeah. I do have an absolute favourite part, which is recognising Jodie Foster's voice when Maggie started talking. <gasps> Our yes. guest star for the episode. I was like, I know that voice. Yeah. I know that voice. I know that voice. And I'm like, what a perfect actress to play Maggie giving a speech about that. Like, that that was our absolute highlight of that was good. the whole episode for me, actually. I thought I recognised the voice, but I couldn't, like, figure out who it was. Yeah. And then I didn't stick around for the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Jodie Foster. I was so excited. You mean you didn't stick around and listen to the uh, reprise of Ho Hi? <laughs> uh, I did. Well, <laughs> did you? Yeah, it's have funny. You, have you added it to <laughs> your Spotify playlist? <laughs> it's my ringtone now. <laughs> as soon as it was done, I was like, well, that's enough. And then I watched it a second time just to try and remember stuff. Yeah, I had to watch this one twice for that very reason. <laughs> I watched it on the weekend and I was like, this one left my brain. Yeah. You're like, what happened? It genuinely wasn't memorable. Like mm. it, once you'd seen one section of it, it just slipped out of your mind. And then the next one was there. And then you get to the end and you're like, great women? Were these all great women? Is this the best that we can come up with? Four great women and a manicure. All right, no worries. Thank you. And they never really 
finished the thought that was established at the start, which was no. that whole thing, like, you know, you know, should you be pretty or is it better to, like, be talented? They just they cut off and that yeah. was it. They never finished the conversation. You can be pretty and smart. Here's four unrelated stories to that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's tricky with, like, these Simpsons vignette episodes, especially, like, around this time. They started doing it a lot more, but the themes were a bit more cohesive. Like, they had the... Of course, you know, the Treehouse of Horror, which is their annual thing. Oh, but they sure. Started yeah, they're mixing, great. Um, so but then great. they started mixing it up with, yeah, Simpsons Bible stories. They did one with, like, Americana Tall Tales and Tales of Revenge. But, yeah, this one, again, we've hit on this point a lot. There was just no cohesion. I think they needed some women in the room. I'm just going to say, if you're going to write an episode about women, maybe have some women have some input into that episode. No, I thought it was a female writer. Like Is it? Like the head writer on this episode. Was it? Female yeah. writer, but still at this time, uh, female representation in the writer's room was quite small. Yeah, uh, they yeah. had one or something. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Ray, think about it. Who knows women better than the men that love the women? Oh, stop you know? it. They have mothers and wives and daughters. <laughs> they love women. The old ball and chain, eh, lads? Oh, marriage. <laughs> but, yeah, one of the shocking facts we found out was, um, if do you remember the Chanel dress episode? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yep. Iconic. Yeah, oh, amazing. And that was the first time that they ever had a female writer-female director combo. And throughout the history of the show, that only happened about 14 times. Oh, no way. In, what, 35 seasons or something? 700-something episodes now. That makes no sense whatsoever. That is embarrassing. Are they embarrassed? Have they addressed it? (laughs) um, Since, like, around the late 20s, they've added more. 14 times. (laughs) (laughs) they've added more female uh, writers into the room especially Mm. like since megan amram came along she brought Mm. with her some uh, female writers so it's getting better but it's not great still um but um yeah just a couple more facts about this episode so yeah yeah mentioned jodie foster playing maggie i didn't know she's like the one character with the most voice actors to ever put Right? Their voice to Maggie. Yeah, it makes sense. Who was it that spoke her? F- I remember the lead up even to Maggie speaking her first word. Like, this was a big deal in the schoolyard. Like, yeah. we were talking about it. Maggie's going to talk. Maggie's going to talk. Who was it again that was her voice for that one word? It was Elizabeth Taylor. That's right. Was that for the daddy line when she's like, Daddy? Is it that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. And they needed to get her to do it a few times because it kept sounding too sexy. <laughs> oh, that's upsetting, no. isn't it? I didn't need that knowledge. Mm, Women sorry. talking happens to be sexy. Can't get you to voice babies. Elizabeth, can you stop being a sexy baby, please? Yeah. Who, yeah please, who, Elizabeth. Who are we going to get to voice a baby? Let's get one of the world's sexiest women. Can you please not be sexy, by the way? And have her say daddy of all things. That's, yeah. I, don't, I don't love that, personally. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, in the course of her show, you know, Maggie, you know, she doesn't talk, but she makes grunts and drones. And uh, mm. Carol Kane, I don't know if you know her, but she was the landlord in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She did some incidentals for her. Also, Matt Groening, of course, provided yep. her dummy sound. Nancy Cartwright, <laughs> Yardley Smith. And yep. 
James Earl Jones. <gasps> what? <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Is it when um in the Treehouse of Horror when it's like Kang or Kodos actually like speak as Maggie? Is it that? Oh, that must mean Harry Shearer did it as well. Oh, I forgot that. Good call. <laughs> Here we awesome. go. Yeah, I did a thing. It's when Maggie uh, hits Willie in the back with an axe and goes, this is indeed a disturbing uh, universe. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That's a great episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. So again, a Treehouse of Horror. <laughs> And uh, one more fun fact. Do you know which popular Simpsons character is completely missing from this episode? Bart. Bart. Yeah, Bart. Mm-hmm. There was no Bart. Nailed it. Principal Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are correct. He also wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> but he Nailed was it. never popular. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, God. it's the only episode of the series so far to not feature Bart in any capacity. Besides That's kind the intro. of weird, in a way. Like, surely they could have put Bart in there somewhere. Do, I wonder if it was intentional. Have they spoken about it? No, I, it's just one of those things. They didn't have anything for him to do that week. <laughs> they didn't really have anything for anyone to do. <laughs> Point. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I reckon it's time to rank this thing. Now, on the Simpsons Index, we rank using a six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. But maybe mm. if the episode was just meh, you give it participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold, and for the best of the very best, you give Cubic Zirconia. Of course. And I'll go first. Let me show you how it's done. Look, there were some OK good jokes in here, which makes me want to give it a bronze. But overall, yeah, it, it left my brain so quickly. So I'm going to give it a participant. Uh, what do you reckon, Amanda? Like, I want to call this a failure. I just did not enjoy it. Like, it was, why was it made? They didn't, they missed their point. They didn't have a point. It was, like, why? Mm. It's, it's difficult. Like, you're really searching for the redeeming qualities in this one. And that's not what you want from a episode of The Simpsons. Good point. Uh, and Harrod, what do you reckon? I like enjoying watching television and I did not enjoy watching this particular episode of The Simpsons. There was probably two parts that I found even uh, mildly entertaining and the rest of it felt like a struggle that also fell out of my brain as soon as I saw it. So I am also (laughs) giving it a failure. There we go. Coming in hot. Uh, Ray, what do you reckon? Oh, gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm such a people pleaser. I'm really horrified by the thought of anyone involved in this episode listening to this and and hearing me say something bad about it. But also they got paid. They got paid. (laughs) And it it was like 10 years ago, Ray. Yeah, look, they're not going to come and find me. I think it's going to be okay. Honestly, the only redeeming qualities from this episode for me was the Disney copyright lawyer. And Dr. Hibbert's <laughs> laugh. That's not enough. You could do that with anything. I, I'm sorry, but this, this episode was a failure. Wow. Ray, I can't believe you said that. So many people worked so hard on it <laughs> and Jodie Foster was there. Why do you hate Jodie Foster? Can I go in the middle between participant and failure? Can I go in the middle? Can I go, can I go like failure plus? <laughs> oh, my God. No, it's not Disney. There's no plus. <laughs> uh, what do you reckon, Tegan? I forgot what the one in the middle was, so I'm going to give it a the audience reaction when they first unveiled the Homer, like the car, like that <laughs> reaction where everyone was like disgusted and disappointed, but not quite a failure. I'm giving it that. The participant? Participant. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It certainly exists. <laughs> All right. And that means we'll be calling this one a shiny failure, which sounds somewhat right for <laughs> All right, but, you know, we don't want to leave on a negative note. So the other thing that we like to talk about on the Simpsons Index is sandwiches. Now, we're building a sandwich board on our show, and we ask all of our guests, if you could have a sandwich named after you, 
what would be on that sandwich. So, you know, I'm walking into the Simpsons Index Deli. I see your name on the board. What's on that sandwich? We'll start with you, Amanda. Oh, golly, don't start with me. We will start with you and Harid. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's like a jaffle with Ooh. heaps of Jarlsberg in it, a little bit of passata, a little bit of basil. It's a little pizza toasty. Either that or a tot waffle. Oh, What's a tot waffle? Sorry? Tot waffle is when you get a waffle iron and then you get a bunch of tater tots or potato gems and you just <laughs> fill the waffle iron with potato gems and then close it and just let it cook. That is amazing. Um, I don't think that's a sandwich, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, no, wait. Two tot waffles, and then in the inside is the ja- the pizza jaffle. Oh, beautiful. I'd eat that. So decadent. Uh, what about you, Ray? I'm a, I'm a bit of a classic. I think I would go for a, a bit of sliced grilled chicken. I like my cheese, so I'd go with a bit of brie as well, maybe some cranberry sauce, some of the nice lettuces that aren't bitter, and some lovely crispy bacon as well with probably like a bit of Caesar dressing. Mm. Brie in a sandwich? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's absolutely delicious. But I think the bread is important as well. It needs to you know, just have a lot of stuff in it. I like whole grain, throw your seeds in it, sprinkle your oats on top, have some herbs, lots of flavours in my sandwich. Oh, and some sun-dried tomatoes as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon, Tegan? Yeah, I already had an answer prepared for this and I didn't know you were going to ask the question. Um, Mine, again, you've got a jaffle situation because you need it all like closed up, but it's a leftover cottage pie jaffle. Um, So you take like your leftover cottage pie that myself or my mum ideally has made. Um, It has like heaps of cheese on top that's gone like crispy and stuff and then you get it on like just some nice bread. We're like, we're not talking you wonder why. You're at least going a Helga's situation. You're spending at least $5 on that bread and then you you smush it all in there and then, yeah, you jaffle it. You know what? You want to throw some extra cheese in there? Absolutely. Oh, that do that. Is... Go on that journey. That sounds so comfy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I also do it with a leftover bolognese sauce oh. too. So you get that in there and you put the cheese in. Yeah, le- genuinely leftover anything. I really. need a jaffle maker. Yeah. We used to make carb pie and also like carb <laughs> jaffles, Absolutely. which is... Basically just mashed potato and pasta in a pie or in a jaffle. Yeah, yeah it was when we had leftover pasta and mashed potato. That also works for like leftover butter chicken. That's a good time. And the other thing, if we're going to have a special on this week, it's uh, you're also going to be offering a pizza this week at the Simpsons Index and it's a leftover roast pizza. So you take your Sunday night roast, you yes. get yourself a pizza base, you put in some gravy on there, you put in all your leftover roast veg and your leftover roast meat. Then you're putting cheese on top and you're shoving that in the oven for like 10 minutes and then you just, yeah, smash that uh, bad boy. I'm mm. so hungry. We're recording this at dinner yeah. time. I'm so yeah. Yeah. Hungry. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you reckon, Amanda? I always take questions like this way too seriously. I'm like, it's not too serious. It's an important important question. But one sandwich that like throughout high school was like for me, the sandwich that I always wanted but never got was a chicken tender roll at the canteen. So the chicken tenders with like shredded lettuce and then some mayo and they're on like a nice bun, white bun. Yes. For me, that was always the thing that I wanted but never got because we weren't allowed to buy from the canteen. Oh, I have tried to recreate this and I don't think they make the same chicken tenders anymore. Really? You need to go yeah. to Red Rooster. You need to get the Red Rooster Rooster Rolls, with, uh, oh, get the chicken yeah. tender in it instead of the chopped up chicken. Promise you. I promise you, you'll oh, be happy. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'm just walking away with so many sandwich tips today. This is 
Yeah, you're so welcome. <laughs> uh, Queens, thank you all so much for coming on today and talking about this pretty miserable episode. But yeah, <laughs> this was such a fun time. Oh, thanks so much for having having us. us. I I would like to confirm that we do enjoy The Simpsons, just not this episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You should probably just have us back is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon so. Something definitely a bit more classic than from season 20. Oof. So, yeah, people want to find you online. Where can they do that? Yeah, if you put Queens of the Drone Age into literally any type of search function that exists anywhere on the internet, you will find us. Uh, we have Including our website Wikifeed up and for running. Some of us. I know, right? <laughs> uh, we're all over social media and we are everywhere that you can get your podcasts. And if you listen to the show and enjoy it, we really encourage giving us five stars because they help us sleep at night and also feed our egos. Those delicious stars. <laughs> Anyone want to do individual social media plugs or anything like that? Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Angharadio, which is A-N-G-H-A-R-A-D-Y-E-O. I'm everywhere at Ray Johnston. You can find me on Twitter at Amanda M. Yo, that's Y-E-O, same as Unghard. And sometimes they pretend to be each other, um, which is always fun. <laughs> uh, and you can find me uh, on most social media as Tegan underscore writes, and that's a R-I-T-E-S. Because she does. It's, it's what I do. It's true. <laughs> oh, wonderful. No, so happy to have you on. And yeah, if this has brought in some Queens of the Drone Age listeners, hope you check out more of the Simpsons Index and also our scripted podcast, Pulp Fury Radio. It's our anthology podcast where we do radio plays on podcasts through a range of genres, sci-fi, horror, mystery, noir. But yeah, pulpfuryradio.com. Oh, and uh, one la- one last question: uh, Who did the music for your podcast? Is- Rad did. Rad, Rad did. Rad. She's our audio person. <laughs> I've been learning the baseline. It's really sick. <laughs> oh, what? dude! You know what's funny? I wrote that baseline when I was like fourteen, and it's just been in my back pocket for years and years. And I always was thinking about writing a song on it, but I don't know. I just couldn't find the right song on top of it. And then when I had to write music for this, I had a really short time frame. So I was like, I'll just pull that out, use that, put some other stuff on top. It all oh, came awesome. together. Yeah. There we go. Worked out. All right. Well, once again, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And welcome back to part two of Vignettes of Vignettes. I'm still your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and here as always, except for the last segment, is BT Calloway. Uh, hoi hoi. And also here is Danny Rosewell. I'm Danny Rosewell. And joining us all the way from San Francisco in the United States is Michael Swain. It's not Vignettes. Huh. <laughs> Only read that word in print. All right. Uh, lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Good to see y'all. Yeah, thank you for joining us for our Vignettes of Vignettes special. Rhymes with Piglet. The anthology episodes. Yeah. I was saying Vignettes until I was 30-something. Yeah. So yeah, now we're about to review Simpsons Tall Tales, and the panel I've assembled is um, the best experts in Americana that I could find. Uh, it's someone who is an American, someone who was an American for a brief time, and someone who sounds like they're American. I did retire. Yeah. <laughs> Figure out which one's which. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. I actually took a college course in like American folktales. So oh, wow. I, ha- I think I'll be dropping some knowledge this time because I am a regular listener. Love the Simpsons Index. Great work y'all do here. Oh, thanks, and <laughs> there are definitely jokes that you all agree. Yeah. Well, no one could get that. And I'm like, of 
everyone in America knows what that thing is. <laughs> so I'm happy to he- be here illuminating your blind spot. Okay. A real live American. I'm so excited. Yep. <laughs> Just a shining bald eagle behind him. It's, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. <laughs> I brought flags. I'm ready to invade and colonialize your yep. podcast. Yep. It's going to be phenomenal. guns all over his webcam. <laughs> That's right. And we have none, so we are so easily invadable right now. Shit, I let out our national secret. Dude, just... uh, We have lots of knives, though. And spiders. Well... And throwing stick stones. I I brought a board with a nail in it, so you (laughs) you guys are screwed. It's range, Um, damn it. So yeah, we're uh, reviewing Season 12, Episode 21, Simpsons Tall Tales. First released in May of 2001, it was directed by Bob Anderson, written by... John Frink, Don Payne, Bob Benditson, and Matt Selman. So, overall impressions. What do we think of Simpsons Tall Tales? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. Um, it is very teen era where they like the, the the airport setup and then left turn. It's yeah. very sort of indicative of a middle seasons episode yeah, to me. We've, we've but, spoken before that uh, season twelve feels like a lot of indicators they were they did think this was going to be the end. And there's some storytelling aspects to this one that yeah feel like ah oh, we can get away with it. It's the last season, whatever, guys. But there was one line in this episode that oh oh man, I wish I freaking wrote. You know oh. ah dang. Moment stood out to me for better or worse when we get to the next bit. <laughs> Swain, did you enjoy this one? Yeah, it was. I think you're right. It's right on the line. You can sense the beginnings of the kinds of hollowing out and like 10,000 foot meta jokes that yeah. Yeah. I ultimately yeah. came to find alienating. But I will admit, I remember watching this for the first time and the I can't believe it, we won another contest, the Simpsons are going to Delaware bit, (laughs) really got me because there was, you know, it was fresh, it was surprising. Yeah. I didn't realize I was in for 10 more seasons of only that. sucker punched nice and early on. Well, the funny thing about that line is that it was in... Also in season 11 final, Behind the Simpsons, whatever that fucking... Behind the Laughter. Behind the Laughter, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's where... What possible other stories could we do? And Mm. they fucking Mm. just ran with it, but also didn't. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I think in a show where it already tends to, in the middle and later passages, get... It feels like there's too much plot crammed in a lot of the time, and and Mm -hmm. that's a failing later Simpsons has. You're starting off on the back foot when you do this triptych thing. So I understand that... They love the Treehouse of Horror, and I like mm. the Futurama ones. They did that one where they did three different animation styles. I thought that was interesting. The what-if Tales machine. Tales of mm-hmm. interest. Yeah, but this team, this writing team, sure loves taking 22 minutes, which already whizzes by, yeah. and Doesn't splitting it? it into thirds. And it, it occasionally will blow my mind how well it works like of course the shinning where mm, you're oh, yeah. Ama- yeah. you don't even need to have seen the shining and you get every plot beat it makes perfect sense but a lot of these i think felt almost like caricatures or a bit rushed a bit light as these triptych ones tend to do and i remember even as even when it was the good years like seasons you know seven eight nine and i'm the perfect age and the simpsons is mm-hmm. all i care about yeah I didn't like Treehouse of Horror as much as the show seemed to want me to. I liked the normal mm. episodes that mm. had a full mm. plot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's just that much more you can do with your writing. You can write tighter mm. and cleaner and set premises up and flesh out characters. I really understand the appeal for the writers, though, because writing mm. within a challenge, within a puzzle yes. box oh, yeah. is the best. It's the most exciting way for me to, like, stimulate creativity and turn it into a game, you know? 
They were actually um, under time constraints to write this one as well. I think they did the story outlines like within a week or something crazy. Like, Jesus. Wow. It's like South And many Park. hands make light work, right? It, it allows you to get more writers getting mm-hmm. on-screen credits, which yeah. Yeah. feels nice. I'm sure it's, yeah, a fun episode to write. And parody immediately. You don't have that blank page problem oh, where, yeah. Yeah. well, what's grandpa about? Let's really talk. Let's think about <laughs> what comprises grandpa. Um, you just go, oh, Paul Bunyan. Okay. A lot of jokes about how if things are big, it would be different than if they're normal sized. Yeah. Done. Yeah. yeah. Turn it it's in, m- print it, ready. Yep. It's like starting with a template, with a Mad Lib or something. Yeah. Yeah. What if this story, but it had the Simpsons characters in it? Mm-hmm. And. You know, on that, I think this one was casted very well. I think of all the, like, non-Treehouse anthologies, I think maybe by default this might be the best one. Like, just on reflection, like, I liked this a whole lot more than Simpsons Bible Stories, and I think that's kind of where the non-Treehouse anthology episodes peak. Because they kind of became a crutch later on. Like, in season 17, they had, like, two of them. With the Christmas mm. one and the Wetter Stories or fucking something like uh, that. Yeah. Wetter Stories, goddamn. No, it was Revenge. Uh, either way. Revenge oh, Tales of Revenge. That's right. Yeah. That one sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so bad. Mm. But yeah, this one, I, th- I think it was quite good. But yeah, so just starting out, just uh, general impressions of the like wraparound bits. Yeah, what did we think about um, how they glued this all together? The connective tissue of the singing hobo. I'm not sure that I can say that word. Is that a dirty word? Pretty. Oh, is that okay anymore? I'm. I think hobo's still okay. It's problematic in sort of a, a fun way. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's not as offensive as I think. That's getting into the minutia of mm. like mm. I say wild now instead of insane, and mm. I don't know if I really need to, but I err on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah. I think we can say hobo, but hey, if you're a hobo listening to a podcast on your iPhone <laughs> and you're offended, write in. Let us know. <laughs> We'll edit this out. But I honestly thought, for better or worse, some of the best jokes were in the framing device. I loved Nobos. I loved I'm a singing hobo, not a stabbing hobo, and then singing a song about stabbing. (laughs) I liked banking off of hobo tropes and hobo culture a little more than I liked banking off the actual folktales. I will probably say this multiple more times, but the Paul Bunyan one just really falls flat for me because every joke is just based on... Well, if it was big, it yeah. would be like this. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, and I, I mean, guess. What now, the three, three of us are <laughs> from a metric-speaking country, but <laughs> those writers do not know how tall 10 foot is. That is not nearly as tall as they think it is, right? <laughs> well, like, I think Lisa six points foot, that 10 out. 10 foot's not that much more. Yeah, I think Lisa points that out. Several inconsistencies in the episode like that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually a nerdy reference to the origin of the, here I go with the folktale <laughs> knowledge. Um <laughs> Paul Bunyan was a joke format for lumberjacks, you know, sitting around at the mess Mm -hmm. hall. And they would, it's sort of like that joke where you would say, I walked uphill to school both ways in the snow. Mm -hmm. They would say, well, Paul Bunyan did this and this and this. And in the original stories, he was eight feet tall and 300 pounds, which is a human, it's just like, the kingpin or something, you know, like a yeah, human yeah, yeah. size. It's, it's Undertaker or Kane or something. Yeah. And then uh, Everything is someone, to you. Yeah. I, I actually forget his name, but, you know, someone compiled the stories and put them into a book. And that's where we get the modern vision of Paul mm. Bunyan. And that was the person who said, like, no, fuck it. He towers over treetops. He's the size of a city. And in fact, there's a quote from that book. One of the initial images of Paul Bunyan is 
that they let me read i wrote it down oh they the cookies prepared the beans for paul but the trough was so long that when the cook wanted to grease it up for the purposes of baking the wheat cakes in the morning they had to strap two large pats of butter to their feet and run up and down a half a mile of glistening (laughs) stovetop so that that joke is literally is uh like lifted from paul bunyan yeah it's like 101 joke books but oldie timey Mm -hmm. yeah it was the uh chuck norris facts of its day (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly it that's exactly what it was wow that's amazing oh i wonder mm. how many other gags they stole because yeah i just really enjoyed the visual of that there them skating around the pan oh i can't believe yeah. that wasn't original <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah we're talking about the paul bunyan thing at the moment so yeah may as well uh hook into that yeah i i tend to agree that this one fell a bit flat but like i think production wise i enjoyed this a little bit more in some ways than the other two especially because yeah this is he's still sort of doing the rhyming couplets and sort of singing mm. along to it they pretty well yeah, abandoned true. that concept for the next two yeah they gave up on that quick didn't they yeah i, I hadn't even noticed it uh mo had his rapey moment again with the roofies <sighs> yep giant yeah. roofies so. yeah again the 2000s were a mistake in a lot of ways and <laughs> And this is like around, yeah, season 13 when they drug that woman and convince her that she slept with grandpa or whatever. Mm. And yeah, like you said yep. before, Swaim, it's just like, what if the pill was big? <laughs> yeah. Her, her, her. yeah, a lot of it is, what if this, but big. But bigger. Mm. I thought there was a real missed opportunity f- with Lenny diving through Homer's gastrointestinal system. <laughs> I just, because I, I forgot the episode enough that I was fully expecting I'm not supposed to get stomach acid in my eye. You know, oh. there's, I, I felt like the Paul Bunyan one had a few missed opportunities. Like uh, Barney climbs out of the frying pan and says, we got to get out of the frying pan. And I remember as a kid thinking, fire, right? here comes an into the fire joke. And yeah. No, nope. Wow, missed opportunity. And, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I thought when Lenny went in as well, yeah, Willie's like, I found a way out. I want to play that version of a way out, you know? Co-op <laughs> Lenny and Willie escaping giant Homer's stomach. Oh, <laughs> exclusive well, to Xbox. Also, um, two jokes. Well, you're going to have to delete this for taste's sake, I think. <laughs> but I just thought two jokes that invite you to imagine something huge passing through a woman's vagina. Yeah, and there's that's, some specific vagina the yoga talk, joke there. And the whiskey, please. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't want that mental image. I don't no. need that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't uh, mind the whiskey place just because uh, yeah. that's just one of the lines that exists in my head from this episode. There are a few of them, actually. Yeah, me too. I felt yoga was a little poor taste. Yeah, yoga know. was a bit much. It's low-hanging fruit. I could have taken whiskey please in the sense of it's just, you know, the traditional little log cabin and here's his birth. And it was enough to say, it didn't say anything other than just whiskey please. <laughs> yeah. Yoga makes me picture things and I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to get into discussing the mechanics of... Uh, of coitus with a giant. Yeah. Look, you've seen my D and D slash. Marge sees a man and starts running straight at him. <laughs> <laughs> a man. <laughs> I do like fiery kill rock for a yeah, the, the yeah. Meteor. for a meteor. <laughs> Just generally calling a meteor that, and I really like big holes with beer national park as well. Well, yeah. yeah. That, so it definitely it has some highlights. Well, that to me is sort of in really in the spirit of this whole vignette episode is that. You know, these tall tales that get passed around and it's kind of like a Forrest Gump or Curious Case of Benjamin Button thing where it's like rewriting sort of history and it's like, oh, they were there the whole time or they caused Mm. this or 
they made this mm-hmm. happen or yeah they told yeah. the president they had to pee you know they sort of yeah thing. when the meteor came down and it was huge and then it was in his butt and then he throws it and it's huge again and the whole city explodes my fridge logic was just screaming at me that you know I can't just let this slide like inconsistencies both ways yeah but at the same time looking at the Paul Bunyan tall talesy sort of aspect of it and then he swings around and then he throws it to the next city over and everyone cheers it's such a it's such a like larger than life thing that you would tell the bloke at the pub or whatever yeah yeah the beat that really bugged me was because nowhere in any Paul and I searched, I could not find any Paul Bunyan story where Babe the Big Blue Ox is brought to life by the Aurora Borealis and carved out of a mountain. I just yeah. it bothers me that that was just a bunch of nonsense. Why did they together. throw that garbage in? Yeah. So did you guys know, like four, five years ago now, there was a, a director Google Play animated Paul Bunyan movie starring John yeah, Goodman. John Goodman and Jeff Foxworthy. Wow. Oh, I didn't uh, know Jeff Foxworthy. That's amazing. Yeah, I think he's Babe in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know none of this is yeah. it good i don't know <laughs> if you ripped out of your mom like a wet paper sack you might be paul bunyan <laughs> oh it's the obligatory oh. foxworthy joke there yep, yep. <laughs> jesus suddenly i feel dirty my neck feels, my neck feels redder what's going on there? my job is done <laughs> actually yeah from that scene and as well another line that lives in my head is grandpa saying jeez i'm crow I don't know why. Like, is this an actual, like, an American yep. saying? It sure <laughs> yep. is. It's an what? old folksy saying. Yep. They were really excited about how much, like, old slang they could cram in there. Were there, like, a hundred words that I'd never heard before? <laughs> or combinations that you never heard before? I had one from the last one, which was... Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of um, Huck Finn and all the, 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 the pwn All tack the pwns. Tack pwn. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jesus Crow was just a polite way to say Jesus Christ. So it's very, it was yep. really the Let's Go Brandon of its era. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheese and crackers. <laughs> Cheese and rice, what have you. Shut the front door. All those. <laughs> Uh, so do we have any other bits from the Paul Bunyan thing? Yeah. <laughs> to my equally uh, Americana illiterate friends, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder was the writer for Little, Little House on the Prairie. So I had to look that up. Because that's not a household name, sorry to tell you, Laura. Not in Australia. No. <laughs> what is Little House on the Prairie, anyway? The very popular book series about frontier life that became a film series, I think. And uh, my mum liked it. Long-running TV show. That's why it's stuck in the American consciousness. Mm -hmm. It was on TV. Right. Okay. I get it. So, yeah. Screw Laura Ingalls Wilder, apparently, (laughs) for that. (laughs) Apparently. Got her drunk and dragged her outside of city limits. Uh, My other note is, uh, ladies, don't date a man that uses your hair to clean his ears. So, apparently, (laughs) uh, the original version in the animatic had, like, bits of earwax in her hair stuck. But they were like, that's gross. Let's remove it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Keep in the yoga and stretching jokes, but... (laughs) Remove that earwax, defensive earwax. Too far. <laughs> Not sure where they're what they're banking off of for the uh, bit with the stuffed animal museum, but I did like that there was a bongo in there. We got a bongo sighting. Oh, uh, was there? I missed that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought was this a reference to Edward Scissorhands? Maybe. Inarguably, someone spinning around while you know the stuff floats down. I guess it's possible. Mm. Or is it the claw game and he's the claw? I really didn't Uh understand what trope it was supposed to be. It was a bit of a mashup. Yeah. Again, it just felt like ultimately it was like, well, he's big. I don't know. What would he do on a date if he's big? Well, that's kind of the problem with this segment because with both Babe and Marge, it means this already pretty short segment has two montages. 
Like, mm, yeah. it does feel sort of light and flat because of that, I reckon. Mm. Fighting Rodan got me, though. Oh, that was, yeah, was great. <laughs> just yeah. getting to him fighting Rodan. Oh, yeah, any kaiju is always good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just love that escalation as well. Yeah, Smoky Mountains, sure. And then yeah. Big Holes with Beer filtered is really good. And then just all of a sudden Godzilla <laughs> and Lisa interrupt. Hang on, hang on. Yep. It's the signature screech sound that really yeah. punctuates the edit. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, it's it's coming out of the vignette, but I did like, wow, that story had everything. House crushings, a meteor, townspeople. Townspeople. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love Marge. Oh, shit. Speaking of shit, there was a surprisingly little amount of, like, poop jokes for yeah, a giant poop. bull and a giant baby, and I was really expecting, like, floods of pee and shit. <laughs> pee and we, we shit. We get floods of drool. But, yeah, uh, that's yeah. About they, yeah. they sense it here, but, wax man. They're not doing <laughs> dealing. It with... just seems like the obvious crack to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got your smoky mountains and your big holes made of full of beer, and then he takes a shit, and that makes New Jersey. Oh, hey. I don't know much, well but played. I know people like uh, saying shit about <laughs> New Jersey. I'm very sorry, everyone from there. I've heard it's lovely. Uh, anyway, to get off uh, um, <laughs> insulting people in their states. Regions, yeah. <laughs> get off shitting on various regions. These people yeah. listen to us, you know. <laughs> All right, so if you were to rank the Paul Bunyan segment and the Paul Bunyan segment alone on the Simpsons Index scale, which of course goes failure, participant, bronze, silver, gold, cubic zirconia, what would you give it, Danny? Oof. Uh, I guess I'm going to bronze, you know. I, like... It wasn't the best thing I've seen, but it's an enjoyable ride. Like it was good to watch. It was well drawn. It was I don't know. There were some good gags in it. It just rambled and had two montages crammed into this little nothing of a story. Mm. Yeah, left me not sure why I, why I was watching it. BT, most of the same points. I'm going to say a participant though. Uh, oh. Maybe a higher end participant. It's just uh, some parts of it just swept by me, and I was like, okay, this is this is a thing that's happened now. What do you reckon, Michael? I think I would have gone bronze if they didn't make the Aurora Borealis bring Babe to life, so I'm yeah, going to go participant. Yeah. High-end participant, same as BT. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking high-end. Uh, high-end bronze, actually. Um, right. and You charitable soul. You, mm -hmm. you do make me want to go down, Chag, because, yeah, you're right. It's like a nothing story. It's like, I kind of get bugged that Paul Bunyan essentially has the same thing twice. He's lonely. He gets a th And then he's lonely again, even though he has the ox. Yeah, yeah. I know the first time he was lonely and then he gets the ox. The second time he was horny and that's when he got marred. <laughs> that's right. Horny and lonely are differentiable, believe Fair me. Fair enough. Uh, I also do, I think I ding any story where they rely on the old saw of, well, Homer and Marge just love each other no matter what. There's one episode where that works. It's the Space Coyote episode. We all know it. Yep. But oh, um, yeah. yep. it's just diminishing returns when it's always mm -hmm. the Romeo and Juliet, but Homer and Marge thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. So many of these vignettes fall on that trope of, yeah, Marge and Homer destined to be with each other. And it's like... I kind of wanted to see what this story looked like if it was just Paul and Babe the whole time. Yeah. Or if Babe was Marge. He is blue yeah. after all. Oh, true. <laughs> like a nagging blue-haired ox. That could have been, I yeah, don't know, something. That could definitely scratch Paul Bunyan's itches. Uh, <laughs> no, Let's no. not think about that. Hey, she was already... Get that hobo back. They did a her as a cat with treehouse once. It's true. So, yeah, moving on, the, the tale of Connie Appleseed. And yeah, this episode, even though, yeah, saw it for the first time 20 years ago, first time I bothered to look up Johnny Appleseed. That's, that's an interesting character, person. Real. Real. He existed. Yeah. Unlike Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Oh, Paul Bunyan Based, existed. 
<laughs> in the hearts and minds of all children and hobos. Chuck Norris isn't real either. I hate to break it to you, man. Uh, he was just a guy who walked around dropping apple seeds everywhere he went. Yeah. To oh, the point that man. we cherish and treasure him, I guess. Getting famous well, used to be so easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could like be today. a world-renowned nurseryman. Yeah. Today you'd have to be like, what up, YouTube? Here I am dropping apple seeds. One, <laughs> two, <Yeah>. three. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, number six million will have you in stitches. <laughs> but no, apparently as well, he was um, a passionate storyteller as well, um, especially with Jesus stories. He loved spreading that gospel, that Bible stuff. Mm -hmm. But he was also um, an animal rights enthusiast as well. There is a tale, true or not, I don't know, someone mm -hmm. saying that he put out a campfire once and slept in the cold because he noticed mosquitoes were flying into it. And oh, he felt off. bad. <laughs> Wikipedia might, might be telling tall tales as well. Very Lisa esque, though. You can see yeah. why they linked them. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Can't let those mozzies go hungry. So, yeah, what do we think of the Connie Appleseed story? There was Sorry. a lot of buffalo murder. There yeah. was, wow, a lot Just, of butchery. Even though it was, they sort of beat a dead buffalo, the. <laughs> The escalation was great. Like yeah. it, when it gets to yeah. the point where Lisa just Connie spits mm -hmm. an apple seed and you just hear the sound of a buffalo <laughs> yeah. dying. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It's it's yeah. nice that they had a sound joke and didn't show you it afterwards. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Along with the earwax, apparently there was a lot more on-screen buffalo murder. But yeah, they agreed <laughs> it was a bit tedious and also yeah, like a lot of things. It's funnier. Like this, yeah, it's funnier to imagine yeah. it. Yeah. Plus, you'd already seen, which I liked, the buffalo cleanly cut in half down the center, uh, roasting oh, on, the on the spit. Yeah, like yeah. the horse from yeah. the cell. Yeah. That was <laughs> and then the one opening up with Homer inside it had me for a second. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, the Tauntaun buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked a lot of the jokes around the buffalo murder as well. It's like, yeah, the first accidental one. He'll be dinner for the whole wagon. What was that one for? Dessert. And then yep. yeah. smash cut yeah. next scene piles of dead buffalo mm -hmm. all around mm -hmm. them it's so easy to kill yeah yeah this hubris moment having to stop and kill the last two again yeah oh what have i done that was kind of a nice like poignancy I, he really hit me that 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 folly of his own downfall mm. it's, i don't know there was something very human about that uh satin eating his children <laughs> also wow. interesting that they then pivoted to a Donner Party reference, which has nothing yes. to do with Johnny Appleseed, but it totally works. Right. You're like, then Perfect. all the buffalo are dead and they turn to cannibalism. Mm -hmm. I liked it a little more than the Rufy joke, the Mo joke that time, which mm. was, yeah. oh, was what? A lot of so we're not fork. eating Homa now? <laughs> yeah. And he's got like a fork full of <laughs> yellow. Like, of yeah. yellow, yellow flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so good. And yeah, as well, I really didn't know this as well, that bison in America were like almost hunted to extinction in the 1800s. Like, Yeah, dude. You've played Red Dead Redemption. How do you not know this? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you play Red Dead Redemption for the story? <laughs> My understanding is they would, when we first had the, you know, golden spike, which connected the first railway to go mm -hmm. all the way across continental US, they would literally just... Uh, open the sides of the train and everyone would shoot all the buffalo. Jesus. Yeah. For fun, as a pastime. Yeah. It's like when you played Oregon Trail and you'd shoot a hundred buffalo and it would say, you know, you can only carry half a buffalo back. And you're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. This is fun. Yeah, I don't think we had the understanding of extinction. 
or endangerment. Yeah. No, mm. that's right. And like from what I was reading is yeah, like you said, they were just hunted for fun and and oftentimes it was just their pelts and tongues as well were mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. commodities and like the rest of the meat they'd often just leave rotting and then um, at best come back later and get the bones to make glue yep. or whatever hang but, on your gate uh, yeah. Yeah. you've yeah. heard Mr. Boogerstrom's song about how you know the, they used to only take the tongue and leave the rest oh that's right Yeah, just reviewed that last week with the real gyms yeah and like yeah if you look up the, there's photos fucking absolutely horrific of yeah buffalo skeletons and skulls stacked up high just piled up yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh it's wild I had no idea about that yeah, anyway, uh, does anyone else have anything else to say about Connie episode? Oh, I, um... <laughs> that really brought the energy down, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buffalo murder. It's so fun to talk about. I was about. very disappointed watching her walk down the street, planting the apple seeds on the street. Mm. That seemed like a really poor choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a line uh, that really kind of disappointed me where she's all like, why do we have ladders that can put a man on the roof? Oh, dang it. That was the one I was waiting for. But we can't, for. you know, find a renewable source. It's like, no, 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 it should just be, why can we put a man on the roof? That's enough. Like you need mm-hmm. that you give away the misdirect too early, and it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. isn't that a reference to like how can we put a man on the moon? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's my point. They're like, yeah, <laughs> but you can't make my shoes smell nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they but give it know, away by saying the word ladders first. It's like no, no. I they already... tend. It's that's the saying though. We have spaceships that can put. We have rockets that can put a man on the moon, no, no, but we don't that. do this. It works. It's good. I loved it. Yeah, I liked All it. Right. Huh. Well, I have always heard the phrase as. Why can we put a man on the moon, but we can't blank? I've never heard them add spaceships. Well, if that's the American phrase, then I am... I'm up the creek without whatever the rest of that phrase is. Babe, the blue ox. I also liked... uh, Sweet! It's like a hootenanny in my mouth! This was (laughs) early enough. Classic Mel. I still wasn't sick of Mel declaring things yet. All the word hootenanny. Yeah. Mm Would have been a good season to have, like, episode to have Burns in for yeah. the old timey words. You know, we're in old timeyville. There's no old timey. Through all he's, of these oh, tales. Yeah. Interesting point. Given the yeah. fact that you could also have done a joke that he's like a teenager in Frontier Times mm. and, uh, you know, just yes. implied it's not a character, it's, you know, him. Yeah. That he uses all these newfangled words. Yeah. <laughs> that he's like on the cutting edge of language. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. In this one, I enjoyed, yeah, in the counterpart to. Like the real life Johnny Appleseed changing his name, same with Connie. But yeah, then the rest of the family changing their name to Buffalo Kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I did enjoy the Buffalo puns of Huevos Buffaleros and Buffalo J. Mm-hmm. Buffalo J is pretty good. <laughs> I liked when we come out of it and the book talks about how, and now everything good has apples in it. And he just lists stuff that can get you high or yeah. drunk. <laughs> yeah. I like that bit quite a bit. I suppose we could put some pills in it. Mm -hmm. There is actually, it's not fully confirmed, but one historian author's report was um, that Johnny Appleseed actually planted mostly apples that were good for making into cider. And apparently Ah. he also just had an open bar tab at a few bars in like Ohio (laughs) or whatever because of that, that yeah, he provided the apples to make their cider. You're saying, like, hidden behind every apple tree was little distillery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're up to there, Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. Johnny Apple Schnapps. 
<laughs> it's still just shocking to me that there was a time where you could make a name for yourself and become legendary yeah. by just dropping stuff on the ground. <laughs> it's so much more difficult now. Johnny yeah. Litterbug. It would be very fun for the legend if he just had no idea that there was planting apples and he was just lazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm a frontier hero. Great, great. Cool, 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 cool. Meant to do that. So I can drink for free, you say? I can drink for free, right? <laughs> If you were to rank this segment and this segment alone, what would you give it, Danny? I'm sort of between a silvery goldie, actually. I quite like wow. this one. Not gold compared to, like, real Not compared episodes. to Krusty. <laughs> yeah, scum compared to Krusty. But, you know, at this point of the episode, I was still having fun. That ladder to the roof joke, man, I was just sitting there thinking about that all day. <laughs> BT. Uh, I'm still on, like, a participant. Like, a nice little oh, one. Dang, a shiny participant. Dang. Not uh, sit, not getting on the party. Climb board, beach. I have like four notes on this one. My last one is the tire screeches when the wagons take off, but I just don't really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. There's not a that. whole lot. <laughs> this is a, like the wackiest one, I think. And you know, I enjoy like, some of the gags, but I'm just like, eh, story-wise, what have I got here? Eh. I um, guess maybe I I might move it up to like a Patissa Brilva, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing, just because you know I do enjoy the the off-screen buffalo sound death. Yes, only. the buffalo kills. And uh, just, you know, uh, while we're not eating a homer. Yeah. What do you reckon, Michael? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'll go Brilver, if that's allowed. Yep. Unofficial ranks. You do what yeah, you want. Yeah, I mean, BT set up the precedent. So yep. if I'm forced to choose, I think I'd go shiny bronze. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I like the diversity of joke rather than the Paul Bunyan one, which I think is sort of from one bag of tricks. Yeah. Plus, yeah. as I said, I think it's cool that they were able to flip it into the Donner Party reference. Mm -hmm. And I think... Johnny Appleseed being paired with Lisa is probably the most perfect casting yep. in the thing, in the, like in all three of them, yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that that was the line, the latter line that got you, because <laughs> there is a line in the next one right. that has stuck with me forever oh. that I really, I'm excited got, to get to. My most uh, lives rent-free, my brain lines come from the next bit, so. Well. Yeah, me too. First my rank. Silver. <laughs> yeah, look, hey. there's not much to the story, but, you know, it comes full circle. It does a, a little lap. It, and yeah, I think there's enough jokes entertaining. And yeah, this one sits above the Paul Bunyan one for me. So I'm giving it silver. And yeah, finally, the tall tale, in quotes, of uh, Tom mm -hmm. Sawyer and Huck Finn. Overall impressions. What do we think? I like this one the most. Yep. Agreed. Uh, when I first opened up this episode... It, it jumped straight to the frame of the pig marrying Lisa, and I was so fucking confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, this has that quote I was looking for before, which is, well, dog my cats. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to lead with the line that lives in my head rent-free forever and ever, which is, these Derringer bullets sure are weak. Powerful <laughs> weak. Oh, it's <laughs> powerful weak. Ah. Uh, N navigating yourself into an oxymoron being the line is just yeah, such yeah. a maneuver to me. I love that. <laughs> and of course, it's a payoff of uh, what's the other one? Oh, powerful sucks is funny. Yeah. But powerful weak is oh hat tip. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so good. So like apparently in the lead up for this, the writer of this segment, Matt Selman, went through the Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn books and just mm -hmm. found as many like of those words of the time as he could to get into yeah. the script and nice. it shows because I think this one has the best language out of all oh, the yeah. segments like absolutely but for an audience that doesn't speak ancient American <laughs> yeah. Mesoamerican it is, some of it is semi-baffling oh, it's yeah. 
kind of the charm and i think if mm. you dug into any of these you'd find yeah references and sightings of mm. he definitely seems like the one who's done his homework yeah. Oh, yeah it's also a bizarre mashup of two separate books like originally huck finn's supposed to be going down a raft with mm. an escaped slave and yeah. tom sawyer does much more kid-friendly adventures yeah. they were sort of for different markets like Mark Twain wrote Tom Sawyer for younger readers, and Huck Finn was more challenging. Like, I read it in high school, and it was weird to me to weld them together, but Mm. it works well enough. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, again, they they hit all the highlights. Good casting as well. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know in terms, because I haven't read either book, like, I think they were both sort of prescribed reading for, like, American schools, am I right, or...? Very much so. You would read Tom Sawyer, you know, in elementary school and then Huck Finn when you got a little older. And Huck Finn is sort of about human rights and uh, there's some death in it. And I think mm. if I'm correct about if my memory serves, they pulled all most of the plot, like the whitewashing bit is all from Tom Sawyer mm-hmm. faking your death. Although as it turned out, they were really dead, yeah. which is a great bit. The ceremonial <laughs> lowering of the bodies into the coffins. And just when um, they bump into each other, that like <laughs> they have been hollowed and lacquered or yeah. something. <laughs> And then from Huck Finn, they only really borrowed the fact that they're on a raft on the Mississippi mm-hmm. River. Because I think everything else would have sort of been really weird bit of a to downer. insert. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a downer, yeah. Yeah, the raft is the icon, so. Yeah. No, my, my knowledge of Tom Sawyer caps out at the Rush song. And... I was about to say, I wonder when you were going to bring that up. I did notice this ep- it was uh, episode 21, season 12. Yeah, <laughs> you're rushing it. Palindrome. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about you, Danny? You've been a little quiet. What did you like from this one? <laughs> Speak up. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm. Well, you if see, you yeah, you say something. <laughs> Old man, <laughs> <laughs> just fell in time. Just fell in time, boys. Yeah, just on that fucking hell, Harry Shearer bringing it there. I could listen to his him. baritone singing for Beautiful ages. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. And uh, the other line that lives in my brain is just all for Silas, all for Silas, <laughs> uh, with the ankle flashing photo. Just yeah, anytime I'm doing anything remotely greedy or considering it, it's like now or mine. And the idea that to get the photo at the end of the drop, it's the guy with the hood over yeah, him with yeah. the old like crank powered <laughs> camera that takes an hour to develop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, just the way that sort of like the transitional scenes, like they really work for me like that, you know. Mm. Yeah, they turn in a rapids joke into, yeah, a roller coaster thing. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, all of a sudden they, they're on the ferry. And like yeah. when Hibbert steps on their hands, like they fall into the, what do they call it? The wheel, big spinny thing. The steam wheel. Yeah. Yeah. They really get a lot of air out of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then and they, they just land in the boat. Yeah, yeah, which also leads to one of my favorite bits: the uh, "What'll it be, boys?" Just three X's for me. I'll take five. <laughs> I'll take five. And they get jugs with various numbers of X's on them. Yeah, yeah. they go up to six. Apparently, yeah, made perfect mm-hmm. sense. Yep. And then we get the great um, Derringer bit. Where oh, okay, oh, great Derringer. okay, so okay. we've all got Derringers. <laughs> just like the concealed carry jokes here as well, like. Sea Captain pulls it out of his beard, someone pulls it out of a beer, and yeah. then someone pulls someone... their Derringer out of a bigger gun. Like, out of a bigger yeah. gun. <laughs> I like watching Marge run out on Homer when, <laughs> yeah, when yeah, Grandpa yeah. was the there. Shotgun. She was like, oh, look, I've been together for years. I'd never, yoink, <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, though, then he's immediately back in order to chase the pig 
that's eating the cake or whatever, yeah. which I just <laughs> thought was odd. I like Homer reflecting on it and saying, I like that story because I was a judge. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah the- oh, and I love... I love the concept of in the past a ninety-nine cent store being yeah. like the height of yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that was that was great. <laughs> the like, well, healthy dowager walking out and mm-hmm. yeah pianos yeah, here's and your whiskey and your two cents for all this opium <laughs> extra strength opium <laughs> yeah as well the whole pone tack back corn back tack half of those were real like oh yeah <laughs> what I had yeah. no idea so apparently have to confirm my so corn pone is just cornbread. That's right. Okay. I know that corn pone, fat back, and hard tack are all real. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the rest are just, you split those words up and move yeah. the pieces around. <laughs> oh, he put the, what is it? The corn pone on the egg pone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hard tack is a very, very hard cracker that was just... Like a biscuit. Yeah. yeah um, uh, just good long-term survival foods for those days. And Fat back would be bacon yeah it's a cut it's of like pork piece. belly yeah, yeah it's one. a pig cut yeah so there we go don't say you don't learn anything from this podcast uh, <laughs> sometimes two things <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he was hoofing so much <laughs> speaking of the old timey language i like light out and stay lit out yeah <laughs> and yeah then leading to they set up an underwater sting as well like mm-hmm. like i said it's oh the underwater sting yeah peak wacky yeah, the the transitions like often silly, especially this to get them to the race to the end of the episode. But I, I oh, thought yeah. it was really funny and unexpected. Mm. Yep. I didn't quite like Silas the pervert taking the ankle photo. I mean, <sighs> the ankle photo is a standard bit. I get you? it. I get it. So, I don't know something about the way he walked off. <laughs> That's to me what sold the bit because I was like, yeah, ankle photo, whatever. But yeah, just him go oh for Silas. Yeah, that to me sells the joke. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Bart being wanted for moonshining, which yeah. he oh, interprets yeah. as showing his butt to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like, yeah, now leaving Missouri, now entering Missouri. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I think that might be all my notes. How about you guys? Uh, just the beginning when, you know, the famous whitewashing, you know, tricking people into doing it. I do like, you know, just smashes Millhouse's face in the whitewash and then smash cut. There's a row of kids, each with their face whitewashed. So yeah. just implying that he's just done it over and over. I love Millhouse and his fancy duds. Yeah, and the bob cut as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we sort of, because of its interstitial, lest we forget the impression of Tin Can Tilly ripping into whatever his oh. name is. Who put the beans in my bindle? I'm, that has stuck in my mind for a long time. Yeah, I do think about, like, yeah, the implications of this. And, like, you know, you mentioned Homer as the judge line before. It's just that as he's been telling it, he's been casting it the whole time as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the implications of, yeah, some of the, the interstitial bits as well as, like, did the whole family watch Homer give this man a sponge bath? Oh, like, yeah, we kind of glossed over the sponge oh, bath. Definitely. There was a lot of male nudity in this episode. It made him closing the door for the second sponge bath a lot creepier. So, okay, two fun facts here. So apparently, yeah, that whole last bit as they're zooming out from the train carriage, that was all improvised between Dan Castle and I knew and, it. And Hank yes. You can yeah. tell. It's yeah. not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the line, oh, do you realize how much glass is in here? But oh, yeah. sure. I mean, a bit of body positivity is kind of nice, yeah. I guess. Unexpected Important for the to feel good about yourself. I do 400 sit-ups a day. Dude, we can see your belly. No, you don't. <laughs> but also, apparently this role was meant originally for Jim Carrey. Oh, really? And uh, they were so close, but yeah, he just couldn't make room in the schedule. So yeah, they got Hank Azaria to do it. He also looked, just the way he was drawn, 
a lot like the man who invented Itchy, whose name escapes me. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chester Ch- Lampwick. Uh, yeah. sure. Chester Lampwick, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Who yeah, yeah. could easily have been yeah. a rail rider in another part of his life, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, maybe he is. And this episode takes place before that one. Ah, mm. Simpsons timeline uh, revealed. Don't don't try <laughs> to figure out time in The Simpsons. You will go mad. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were to rank the Tom Sawyer Huck Finn segment and this segment alone, what would you give it, Danny? You know, I'm going to give this one a s- something. I'm going to give it a silver. Some, the, the, the Derringer joke alone is worth a silver, you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, how about you, BT? I'm going to go straight out silver as well. This is my favorite one. Had the most quotable lines from it. Yeah, and the Derringer scene, again, leave us rent free. Michael. <laughs> Gotta go silver. If it had a fully fleshed out plot over mm. the course of 22 minutes, it, it would be in contention for gold. But since it's just a joke machine, I'll give it a silver for sure. Yep. I think that is why I'm going gold, because I think the <sighs> jokes are so well realized. I love the language and the look of this thing. I think like it's not the strongest episode, but production wise, like the animation is pretty mm. top notch across the board here. Like, For a I lot think, of the other ones, you could say the characters feel like they're wearing costumes. This one feels a bit more well-realized in terms of its entire visuals. Yeah. No, you can definitely tell it was uh, a product of being told these stories, you know, through your life a 100,000 times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah, I think that about does it. I think it's time to rank this thing. All right. Official overall rankings. Michael, what do you reckon? I pre-decided that this was going to be a silver and I think what I say, participant bronze, silver. So I guess I'm letting it put its best foot forward. But I think I'll stick with the silver. I, yep. I really enjoy it. As I say, I just find the triptych thing is not my favorite of The Simpsons. But strong jokes all throughout. And as we've had this discussion, you made me realize it is hard to draw, to do all the character designs and change all the styles. So if you mm. add in how beautifully animated it is, uh, keep it at yeah. silver. It was a good episode to watch. Mm. Yeah, like pretty. Some of the period pieces don't land visually with me, mm. but this was mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, like as well, like we said, you know, this is kind of a easier writing exercise, but you got to imagine, yeah, the animators were like, fuck new models. <laughs> Three new models for everybody. Uh, BT. Uh, I'm good. I also have kind of the ra- the individual rankings of participant bronze silver. Uh, for me, that levels out to a bronze. So right in the middle there. It does end on its best foot, which, yeah, if you're going to do anything, always finish strong. But that said, I just find a little bit of the first couple just, you know, they're fine. And I, that's about all the reaction I have. Even the one that I gave bronze to, I don't really have a lot of notes on. It's, it's a cute little journey, and that's about it for me. So, yeah, uh, bronze. Danny. I'm hitting silver. I think just talking about it with you guys made me appreciate the ins and outs of it a lot more. Friends make everything better. I feel like I laughed a lot in this podcast more than I did watching the episode. Yeah, I don't know. I'm left with a good feeling about this. It's not like mm. a cubic episode, like 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 Lisa's Pony or something, but it's a fun ride. Then there are good jokes in it. There are great jokes in it. What about you, man? Yeah, this episode actually holds a little bit of a special place for me because this was on... I've talked before a lot about my Simpsons VHSs, the Mm -hmm. compilations I made for, you know, when I take part in the Devil's Lettuce and just want to chuck on some cartoons. And, like, I tended to have more of these, like, teens-era sort of wacky episodes on Mm -hmm. that, which paired very nicely with that. (laughs) And uh, so this one I've actually watched quite a lot through that teaser, era, but I haven't really uh, come back to it, and it was just Mm -hmm. sort of delightful. Um, 
Yeah, it's a bit of a ramble as one who takes part in the Devil's Lazarus is one to do. Uh, <laughs> it's just a long way of getting around of saying this is a silver for me. Uh, it, hey. it's, it's straight down the middle, you know. Mm. Yeah, I think it's... I'd probably normally go a bronze for this sort of episode, but I tend to give the anthologies and Treehouse just a little bit more leeway because, you know, the they're, they're different Simpsons episodes, yeah. yeah. All right. Now, averaging out, that equaled a dull silver. This will be the second episode from season 12 to get a dull silver. It'll be right there with Bye Bye Nerdy. And also, this will be the yeah. last episode of season 12 that the Simpsons Index reviewed. We have done yeah. it. <gasps> Oh, Yay! Season twelve hey! complete. We're running out of episodes, and it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, thank God! So. <laughs> no. Now in America, the devil's lettuce is black tar heroin. I assume it's the same there. <laughs> oh Jesus! Ah, oh, it's white tar here. That's weird. <laughs> oh, that, there the you go. Same joke. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so weird how culture changes across the world. Fascinating, really. <laughs> Tell you what, dog my cats. <laughs> <laughs> These to separate it. So yeah, season 12 is done for the Simpsons Index. So its overall ranking actually uh, depended on this episode. You know, we take all the rankings from all the episodes, averaging them out. This one had to score a certain rank to maintain the average ranking of a shiny silver for season 12. Or else it'd get bumped down to an overall ranking of silver. And this episode needed to get a dull silver, which it got. So season 12 remains a shiny silver with the season high of HOMR, which we gave a dull cubic zirconia. (laughs) It's a good one. Mm -hmm. And the season low in equal shiny participant is Homer versus Dignity, the panda rape episode. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) And Simpson Safari, where they it starts out with a funny story about a bad boy strike and then they go to Africa and it's all fucking weird. That does have the one great joke, though, where... Three quarters of the way through, he goes, I wonder how that bag boy strike is going. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that. A throwback to the fuck you intro. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have scored it higher just based on the rhino coming out of the egg joke, but Lisa's just, what? (laughs) What did did you you just see, Lisa? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that bit is very good. But no, uh, season 12. What what a ride. Um, What a mixed bag, yeah. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today for this. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And yeah, people want to hear more of you and what you're up to. Uh, where can they do that? Well, by day, I'm over at IGN.com where you can find me pontificating about various video games and trends in mass media. And then by night, I podcast at, as Small Beans. So either check out Small Beans wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you really want to check it out, go mm-hmm. over to Patreon.com slash Small Beans. And we have a bunch of bonus shows if you want to throw us $3 a month. Why only $3? That's less than the cup of a coffee. (laughs) And what a coffee. You need a better coffee guy. (laughs) C-O. Yep. (laughs) And yeah, just to sneak that in similarly, we also have a Patreon. And uh, we're making a couple of different shows. We've just started one where we're reviewing the Simpsons DVD extras from the DVD box sets, which me and BT do. It's a lot of fun. And also uh, occasionally me, BT and Danny... Uh, doing a podcast called Story of the Chalk, where we take the chalkboard gags and try to find the hidden episodes implied. You know, what did Bart do to deserve these punishments? And Mm. yeah, that's been a lot of fun to make. Some of it is wacky bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) We also did some really shit Simpsons scripts. I'm scared to say in front of Mike, but wow, man, they're really worth checking out and not being impressed by. (laughs) Our index of horror? Yeah. (laughs) My segment will shock you. (laughs) Oh my, yes, it will. All right, uh, that about does it for this segment of uh, Vignettes of Vignettes. Once again, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks As for coming. Always. always a blast. Me too. Thank you. I had a thing primed and now I've <laughs> lost it. Well, just I'll stick with dog my cats. <laughs> and Danny, thank you so much. Dog all my cats. You're trying to think and of an excellent line too? Danny Rosewell. You sure are. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Simpsons Index podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at Simpsons Index on Twitter and Instagram. And now please stay tuned for the bonus scenes. We like learning about how the how the sandwich is made. Yeah. That's why I ask. <laughs> Behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, the sausage gets made with uh, sticking a little uh, stick on nail on top of it. Oh, um, yeah, i got to write that down. i got to write that down. Please never do this. No. Never do this. Why did you remind her of that? Take a photo and put it in the group chat when you do it. I'm so upset about this. <laughs>